In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. And so it has begun. The holiest of weeks. The week in which we mark the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and his victory over sin and death. Theophon the recluse, who died in 1894, and I know what you're thinking, I was just reading Theophon the recluse this morning. He's a saint of the Russian Orthodox Church, and he wrote the following words about the inward rule of Christ as king. And I want us to contemplate these words as we think about the Lord Jesus coming into Jerusalem. When one is a king and they come into your city, they are there for one of two purposes. They have either conquered you and have come to enslave you, or they come because they have conquered your enemy and they have come to set you free. For Jesus, it is the latter. In his day, if a king rode into the city upon a mighty horse, then he came to rule you, to establish his dominion over you in such a way that you were forced to obey. But if a king came to your city and rode in on a donkey, then you know that this king comes in peace. And so it is, that Jesus is, in one sense, both. He comes riding on a mighty horse, having slain sin and death. But he comes not to enslave us, having set us free from the kingdom of darkness, but rather in peace. Not to force us to accept what he offers but to offer us the opportunity to receive him within. Now he comes to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem itself is an icon of the heavenly city. Jesus, by riding into Jerusalem, is proclaiming that in him the kingdom of God has come. But it has come not in the, in the way that they, the people of that time expected, but rather to usher in the peace of God which passeth all understanding. When he comes into the earthly Jerusalem, this is a foreshadowing of the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly city, as the gospel said last week, the gospel narrative, the mother of us all. 
our true home, where we live not as slaves to the king, but as his children, as heirs with him of eternal life, where his father calls us his sons and daughters. And so Jesus comes in to Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, for he is the Prince of Peace. This is what he offers in exchange for sin and death. Peace. This is his proclamation by the action today, and these will be his first words spoken to his disciples in the resurrection. He comes among them and he says, Peace be with you. He is ushering in, in his kingdom, the peace of God. But Jerusalem not only represents the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly city, but it also represents our hearts. Jesus is coming today, coming to our heart. He comes to bring peace, to usher in with him the fruits of what is about to unfold, his victory over sin and death. Do we open the gates of our hearts? Do we welcome him as he comes in? Do we sing praises of Hosanna? Which, by the way, is a recognition of him as Savior, the one who brings mercy. Hosanna actually means in the Hebrew, save us, please. It is a petition, come, bring your peace, deliver me, your child. So will you open the gates of your Jerusalem, your heart? Will you cry out, Hosanna, as he comes in? But remember, to truly receive him in your heart, you must accept Jesus on his terms not on your own terms. He comes to reshape you and to remold you and to heal you and to raise you up and to transfer you from one kingdom to another, but you must receive him on his terms. Archdeacon Ron Corcoran last week, who moves around even more than I do when he's preaching, I loved it. He and I talked quite a bit about when people say, oh, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. 
And how what that really means, that's a code for, I want God on my terms. How I want to live, how I want to worship, what I want to believe. If that is how you approach the one who is riding on the donkey as he's coming into your heart, then know that your do the doors of your heart are shut. For it is no ordinary man who is riding on that donkey who seeks to come in and to reign within you, to bring his peace, to bring his deliverance, to bring freedom, to establish the kingdom of God. It is God himself who comes. The kingdom of God is not just something that will be come on the last day or something that is far away in heaven or something that we are proclaiming to other people. The kingdom of God is within us. And this brings us to Theophon, the recluse. He writes, the kingdom of God, although yes, in heaven, and yes, in the world, in the person of Jesus through his Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is within us. Jesus, who reigns from the cross this Friday, and Jesus, who reigns over sin and death and the resurrection this Saturday evening, Sunday morning, and this Jesus, who reigns at the right hand of the Father, reigns within our hearts and our lives and our homes, and our families, and our parish councils, and our ministries, and over our thoughts and our words. The kingdom of God is within us. When God reigns in us. See, Theophon is making the point, is that the fullness of the kingdom of God is not within us, simply because you say, Jesus, come into my heart. The kingdom of God is within you when you not only welcome him in, but allow him to reign in your heart, over your memories, to allow him to reign, over your hurts, allow him to reign, over your brokenness and disappointments, over your failures and over your sin, over your unforgiveness. When you allow him to reign, then rejoice, for the kingdom of God has come and dwells within you. He comes in peace, though. Although he has conquered the enemy, he does not come to conquer us. He comes to offer us redemption and deliverance and a peace which passes all understanding. But he will not force us or capitulate us. The kingdom of God is a gift that is offered in peace. It is not enough to receive him into your heart. You must allow him to reign in your heart. He goes on to say, 
when the soul in its depths confesses God not only as Savior, but as Master, remembering Hosanna, meaning save me, Lord. When the soul in its depths confesses God as its Master and is obedient to Him in all its power, then the kingdom of God reigns in you. Then the kingdom of God reigns in you. Then God acts within your heart as master, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, from Philippians 2, 13. This reign begins as soon as we resolve to serve God in our Lord Jesus Christ by the grace of the Holy Spirit. Anyone can say, Jesus, you are Lord, come into my heart. But it's another thing to say, I will serve the Lord this day and forevermore. I will this Friday bring my sin and nail it to the cross. I will bring my woundedness and nail it to the cross. I will bring my hatred and my anger and my unforgiveness and my brokenness and my sorrow. And I will nail it to the cross. And I will bow no longer before the pain of my heart or the woundedness of my heart or the sin of this world or the lies of the enemy. I will bow in humble adoration to the honor and glory of the Father, to my Lord Jesus Christ. And then the kingdom of God will reign within your heart. Now, we do not know how many angels there are. Actually, I know, but I choose not to share it. A bunch. That's, exact, that's what it is in the Greek. A bunch. A bunch. A multitude. A myriad of myriad of angels. But just think... When we not only receive him into our heart, but allow him to reign in our heart, when the kingdom of God is in our heart as it is in heaven, and as it's being proclaimed in the world, then the angels of God who sing before his presence in heaven sing a song of praise before him within your heart. This is how people are able to withstand the trials and tribulations of this world and still walk through this world with joy. Because they've not only received the king of peace into their hearts, they allow him to reign within their hearts. Then the Christian hands over to God his consciousness and freedom, for then he is truly free from the things of this world. See, we think of freedom as our ability to choose what we want. True freedom is when we are free from unforgiveness, when we are free from hatred, when we are free from our woundedness, when we are free from the power of temptation, when we are free from sin, when we are living according 
to God's will, when we submit, we are free. See, we don't think that way. I mean, you know how often I hear from Sarah and Rebecca, I can't wait to grow up so I can do whatever I want. Right? I can't wait to grow up. Because they think that freedom is being able to choose what they want to do. But freedom is when the things of this world and the flesh and the devil no longer reign over us, but we are in the kingdom of God and are set free from their power. Can you imagine whatever you are hurting, deeply wounded with right now, imagine that it had no power over you. Any wounds from when you were a child. Any wounds from adults and people that hurt you. Imagine if you didn't have those right now. Would you not stand up and rejoice in that freedom? Or the sin that you struggle with? Or the unforgiveness? See, that's freedom. It's not the ability to choose between the things of this world, but it's the ability in freedom to submit to God so that we may truly be free and that the kingdom of God may be within our hearts. God will accept this sacrifice, Theophon writes. And in this way, the alliance of man with God and God with man is achieved. Don't you love having allies? Sometimes alibis, but don't you love having allies? It's always great when you feel like someone's on your side, right? I mean, it, it's not a good analogy. It's actually sinful, but we love it when someone is bugging us, giving us a lot of trouble, and someone comes up and says, you know, I agree with you. They're an idiot. And all of a sudden, you feel kind of empowered, right? I have someone on my side. And if we're having a little trouble finding them, then we spend our time trying to get them on our side, right? Do you know about Brian, really? You know, we try to get him on our side. What God is saying is that when he is not only invited into our hearts, but allowed to reign in our hearts and lives, we will be free and the kingdom of God will be within us and he will be our ally. He will be our ally. The alliance of man with God and God with man has achieved what he is about to do in his passion, death, and resurrection becomes a living reality in our hearts, in our marriages, in our homes and families, in our church. And the covenant with God, which was once severed by the fall, that is sin, and continues to be severed by our own willful sin, is reestablished. We have a covenant with God. Now remember a covenant, and this is my last word, I promise. Remember a covenant. Yeah. <laughs> a covenant is, is not like, you, you know, oh yeah, I'll probably do that, right? 
Can you imagine if I said, you know, uh, Scotty, do you take Joan to be your lawfully wedded wife? Probably. (laughs) Most days. Would you accept that? No, you wouldn't accept that. Right? I mean, last week, Emily wasn't even sure she was married during the sermon. And look now, she has a broken foot. See, be careful now. Covenants are no funny things to mess with. A covenant is like marriage vows. Right? We can't say to Jesus, I take you as my Lord to reign in my heart. Probably. Or on most days. Or if I'm not bowing my knee to my envy or my pride or my unforgiveness or my anger or my hatred or my woundedness, then I'll bow to you. Or if I really feel like life is, is, has got me, then, Lord, I will come to you and I will bow before you so that you can get me the heck out of the mess I got myself into, right? No. He's doing what he is about to do this week to not only come into your heart, but to reign in your heart that you may truly be free and know his peace and that nothing of this world will reign over you and dominate you anymore. So whatever it is, woundedness, sin, unforgiveness, hatred, envy, pride, whatever it is, come this Friday, 7.30, Monica? 7.30. And literally come up and nail it. And if you need more than one nail, I'll give it to you. And nail these things to the cross. And let the kingdom of God reign in you. Amen.